where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I am James. And I'm John. This episode is episode 8 of season 5, Knights of the Scimitar. It aired on 20th of November 1986. It was written by Jeff Abogov and directed by Jimmy B. James Burroughs. Tell you what happens in this episode. Cliff joins a cult. Exciting times. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably get into it a bit later, but it's a weirdish one, I think. I mean, I'm not entirely surprised that Cliff did this, but alas, we will delve into that as we go. <laughs> There's a fine line between cult and lodge. There's a fine line, a gossamer thin line, one would say. <laughs> Before we get into all of that, should we start with the cold open, James? Yes. Walt Twitchell returning. Walt has returned. It's a good job Cliff wasn't part of the cult at this point, because he probably would have been bad for Walter if he was. They have a bit of a tiff, a long-standing feud. Cliff says that Walter is the man who puts knee in weenie. What does that mean? It's a riddle, John. <laughs> That's how bad this tiff is. I don't understand I don't understand the joke. Surely he should have gone, he's the man who puts the wee in weenie. Yeah. Come on now. They prank each other, don't they? Yeah. This is a prank war. Walter's like, you've got your regulation key, you are, and you're off duty. I'm, I'm going to tell on you. It's very kindergarten, isn't it? They kind of have this back and forth, and it turns out that rather than uh, his key on his chain, he's got like a kaleidoscope. Cliff carries around a kaleidoscope for the sole purpose of pranking people. And in this kaleidoscope is apparently some uh, saucy pictures. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Who carries around a sleazy kaleidoscope? You know, it sounds like a B-side from Pink Floyd or something. <laughs> On the edge, of, well, it's a sleazy kaleidoscope with soot around the outside of the, the rim. So when Walter looks through it, he gets a nice black eye. Why? I don't know. <laughs> and uh, Cliff quite smugly, and we'll probably put in the, the sound clip, he says, Yeah, they could never pass up a chance to sneak up and get Natalie in her 90. And Twitchell replies, wasn't wearing anything I could see. To which Cliff desperately pranks himself. Not not looking too great, are they, in the in this cold open here? No, but that's the whole cold open. Postal workers and, and sleaziness. Not a good combo. Anyway, let's move on to the main part of this episode, James. We return to the bar after the opening credits, and Diane's doing some heavy sighing and trying to get Sam's attention. She's wandering around sighing. Impatiently? Yeah, because she has a she has a problem. Well she has many. <laughs> she has many, but she has one that she wants Sam's help with. Yeah, and she kind of plays it off like she doesn't want him to know, but she's pretty keen to talk to him about it. And it's the fact that she's got a bit of interest from one of the students she's helping at the college. Yes, the student has a bit of hot for teacher with that teacher's assistant being Diane. Yeah, and his, his name is Lance Apollinaire. Which is a fancy name. Yeah, uh, which Sam's convinced is a made-up name. No one real has that name. Diane describes him as sort of a, a Greek god status, I think. That's what she kind of says. Yes, Adonis statue type. And she describes him in a way that uh, Sam determines is too good to be true. Because no one can be better than Sam. He sees it as a, a ploy to make him jealous. Which he's probably not wrong. I guess, I'm not sure, I think these these two plots have weighed fairly equally, because the other plot is Cliff, uh, as you said at the beginning of this episode, has, has joined a, a somewhat of a cult. I'm going to go for Lodge, and just because that's the term they use. But he's become a member of a lodge called the Knights of the Scimitar. 
And he's got an ambition to get all of his friends in there as well. His dad used to be a, a knight of scimitar. And his dad before him. <laughs> which made Cliff have a sort of compulsory entry into it, like a, an unchallenged membership. And now he has the ability to invite other people. And he, they play a bit of a guessing game, you know? <laughs> yeah, the closest number wins. Just for the, the fairness of, of all of them there, Cliff says, I'm thinking of a number between one and ten. The person who's closest gets to be the first one to join the, the lodge. Should we play the guesses? Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking of a number between one and ten. Whoever is the closest wins. Uh, Nam, you first. Two million and twelve. <laughs> Two million thirteen. <laughs> two million fourteen. Well, the number was far. Now I'm closest with two million twelve. Darn, I was gonna say four. I should have stuck with my first instinct. Something which I like out of the guesses is the genuine disappointment that Woody has, <laughs> and the, the genuine disappointment Norm has. <laughs> <laughs> What's distinctive about the Knights of Scimitar, Jims? Cliff convinces Norm that Norm can find clients through it. Yeah, Norm's ambition is to get a bit of clients through it and, and have maybe a good time. Maybe meet some nice people. He hasn't done much hope of that. But. He doesn't really care if they're nice. He cares if they are paying. <laughs> but the um, the Knights of Scimitar, I think it's an odd group. And there's obviously appropriation of, of culture going on there. This episode came out in 1986. I don't want to get too much into it, but there was something which... Native headwear. Yeah, they're, they're wearing um, turbans and they have an Egyptian sword and it's kind of playing off this idea of Egyptian knights. But something which I did quite like in this episode was Woody comes out with quite a poor joke where Cliff says there's a room for wind, winding down and Woody says that winding down, they'll need to do a lot of that kind of thing, uh, referencing the turban headwear. But something which I did like is how no one laughed at the joke. It wasn't played as a good joke, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I thought that was quite interesting how, I mean, obviously the writers wrote the, the joke originally, but they didn't write it as a smart, witty thing to say. Yeah, they were confident enough in their writing that they could put a bad joke in, knowing that most of the characters and the audience knew it was a bad joke. They knew that there was enough other jokes in in the show that they could get a laugh from Woody unknowingly making a bad joke. Well, I kind of I kind of saw it as a bit of like a commentary on maybe maybe the times or, or what was going on, but this idea that jokes around that that subject aren't, aren't funny and they they're just the lowest form of sort of comedy. It felt like it was a bit a bit like that. It was commentary on other jokes that may have been being made at the time. Deep, deep, yeah. I think I think that's as much as we'll get into that kind of appropriation within this lodge that they've got. But yeah, so Norm has his interview, which happens off camera, and he returns to the bar, and Cliff's really hopeful that his friend's going to be joining the lodge. He does. He gets the call and he's in. I think Cliff is kind of, uh, I think he's a little bit disappointed about how easy it was. Cliff thought it would be more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> he thought they'd be more selective. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to him, it's a blood right because his dad was one, you know? And uh, Norm seems to quite flippantly have went through the interview and just kind of is quite non-plast about it all. One does not simply join the Knights of Simidon. <laughs> and Norm's going, you have my pint. <laughs> I recently rewatched Lord of the Rings. Is it obvious? Little, little bit. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's it is a bit like that, and it's 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 a shame that as the episode goes on, we don't see other members of the the cast joining as well. Because I think it would have been nice to see Woody have an interview. 
I think Woody would have just been blissfully unaware of everything and just he would have probably just thought he was making new friends. I mean, that, that's all, all the lodges, isn't it? They were, they were very big in the 80s, weren't they? Lodges, you know, Freemasonry was a big thing. I mean, I guess it's still big now, isn't it? Yeah, it's just not as known of. Would you want to start one, James? <laughs> no, I got other things going on, <laughs> is the answer. Though, thank you for assuming I have the charisma to be a lodge slash cult leader. That's a bit of a compliment there. <laughs> Should we jump back into the Diane Sam aspect of the episode? Yes. Diane's still contemplating whether to go out with Lance. Lance has invited her up to Vermont. And I think Diane knows how to make Sam jealous in a lot of ways. She compares their heights. She she stands next to Sam and compares her height against him and says that Lance is taller. Then she rubs it in. She's like, ooh, this wound here needs a bit more salt. <laughs> yeah, because she goes, I see what it is. Lance only looks shorter because his shoulders are broader. Oh, oh, Diane. <laughs> If we kind of contextualise it against dark imaginings where Sam was very conscientious about how he was ageing and then Diane is almost rubbing his face in about this youthful person coming into her life. And I think this is, uh, Sam kind of retaliates to this by sort of mocking how young he is. And we do see him and he is quite young, but I'd say mid-twenties maybe. Yeah, when Diane might be going to Vermont, Sam says if you do make sure he doesn't eat first, children tend to get car sick. Um, he also calls him peewee and there's lots of of throwaway lines like this but as you say lance does actually turn up at the bar he has an effect on uh, a couple of people but uh, carla is is amazing (laughs) carla swoons a bit carla faints and uh, stands up again and she goes thank you thank you i saw i thought i just saw the most beautiful and then she faints again And, and meanwhile, Sam asks him if he wants a drink, mainly as an excuse to ID him and to, to prove that he's taller. Basically, Sam and Lance have this kind of battle. Lance not really caring. I think a little, a little bit confused, to be honest. Why are you being so passive aggressive, Mr. Bartender man? <laughs> Sam gives permission for Diane to go. He asks, what, what does Diane see in him? She says she sees what she used to see in Sam before he decided to spend the last few months flogging her with his apathy. That sounds painful. (laughs) Very. And I think, I'll say I've complained, I think we both have complained a little bit about this Sam and Diane relationship over the last few episodes of this season. I think it's starting to pay off a little bit and, and make a bit more sense. And there's a line, I know you're still smarting from my turning down your proposal of marriage, but how long can you drag this out? You're hurting me, but you're also hurting yourself with this framed indifference. Is she talking to the writers there? She's talking to everyone. But I think that's quite an interesting line. And I think that rings true for what's been happening. Maybe, maybe rings true for what's been happening in the last few episodes. Sam's reply to that, though, is quite interesting also, where he says, talking about hurting people, how do you think Lance will feel when he finds out you're using him to get to me? And I'm like, whoa, Sam's putting out the big guns with empathy. Well, I think this is one of the things is like, this feels like it's actually quite a real conversation. And I think a lot of the conversations around this topic in the last ones have been more the station and farcical, really. There's been a lot of like slapstick-ish moments scenarios that have played out but this is a bit more grounded just following on from that what you just said she replies i'm not using him i like him he treats me wonderfully and sam replies and i don't so go with him or ruthless logic there can't argue with it and then that leads to diane kissing lance to prove to sam that she is moving on and, and sam needs to make his move now or never really before we find out how this ends let's cut back to the knights of the scimitar yeah they're having uh, their induction meeting for norm I think it's kind of what we expected from when Cliff said he'd joined a lodge. I think it's exactly what we expected. Yeah. <laughs> Is he called a high priest? 
What was he called? High Sultan. Yeah, not a great term. <laughs> but he kind of summons Norm to come for the the induction, which is just a very quick sort of, you're in. And again, I think Cliff's kind of a little bit disappointed about how quick and easy this process has been. But Norm tries to hand out some business cards and gets told that's against the rules. Yeah, you're not allowed to do business with other Lodge members. So really, what is the point? <laughs> Yeah, well, I thought this as well. So the main reason why he's joined was to get some business. That's gone out the window, but he's realised that the, the people there are actually quite nice, you know. Good group of guys. The parties will be good. He has a quick word with Cliff, and Cliff apologises for, for not knowing that they couldn't talk business. And then they return to the meeting room, to which they say, and our referendum on alcohol at the parties has passed or something like that. Yeah, no booze. No beer. Uh, to which Norm just goes, goodbye, <laughs> and walks out. It's quite a quick scene, like with any sitcom, particularly ones from this era or previously. At the end of every episode, things tend to return to what they were at the beginning. There's not much overarching plot lines. And we sort of assumed that this would be one of them where they would wrap up the notes of the scimitar quite quickly. I think they did that quite well in terms of just how Blunt Norm dismissed them. But I think it's time we uh, talked about the cast members. Sounds good to me. We have J. Eddie Peck as Lance Apollinaire. He also appeared in Night Rider, Murder, She Wrote, Dynasty, Dallas, Days of Our Lives, The Young and the Restless, Kyle XY, among others. We had Steve Vinovich as High Sultan. He also appeared in Three's Company, Hill Street Blues, Mannequin, L.A. Law, Married with Children, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Family Matters, E.R., Home Improvement, Jag, Malcolm in the Middle, The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, and many others. Ray Burke returns as Walt Twitchell following his appearance in Season 3, Episode 21, The Executive's Executioner. Bill DeLand as Foley. He also appeared in Teenagers from Outer Space, The Secrets of Isis, Knots Landing, Sisters, and some others. And Al Rosen is uncredited as Al. I knew that one. <laughs> Always know Al. Has Al actually been in anything else other than episodes of Cheers? Yep. That's all I needed to know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten what, but we, we did say. Yeah, it's quite a nice cast. I mean, most of them, I'm guessing, are Lodge members, apart from Eddie Peck. And Ray Burke. But that's that's all we get of the lodge. I don't I don't think we'll revisit it in any future episodes. So I guess we'll step back into Cheers to see what happened after Diane kissed Lance in front of Sam. Sam goes, "Well, you think that's a kiss? Wait till you see this." After Sam kisses Diane, he says, uh, "She says I can see why that might have given you cause for concern." And then turns to Lance and has forgotten Lance's name, which is a bit unfortunate. Again, we talked about how Lance was a bit confused. If he was confused earlier, then. <laughs> must be like, is this a date? What's going on now? Well, this is the thing. He doesn't get that confused. It reminded me a little bit of Arrested Development, which I think you've watched all of as well. Yes. And I can't remember who the character was. I think it's Charlize Theron. Yes, she was the English character. She had a disability of sorts, didn't she? Yeah, and uh, reminded me a little bit of that, where a lot happens, but they're not really understanding what's happening, if that makes sense. So we find out Lance has picked some flowers, and after Sam quite passionately kisses Diane, he asks her quite like happily, like, oh, are we going, kind of thing. I don't know, did you, did you kind of get that vibe as well? I didn't think of any Arrested Development scene, but I did think that Lance was kind of out of his depth. He doesn't seem to understand the, the situation. If you invited someone up to Vermont with you for the weekend, and just before you were heading off, they very passionately kissed someone 
else, you'd at least question it. You never just be like, that looked fun. Shall we go? In? <laughs> and that's kind of almost how the episode ends. But with with that in mind, the actual ending, I think, is pretty like, you wouldn't get away with it now. And that is, Carla essentially assaults Lance. Yeah, she proper jumps on him. And what, what I found really like, I don't know, after that happens, they then just sort of like play a quirky Cheers theme before the ending. And Lance clearly does not want this. That's the end of this episode. But Lance is going on two feet taller than Rhea Pillman, easily. So she had to like jump on a chair to jump on him. <laughs> but there's a, there's definitely an innocence there uh, that that feels somewhat taken advantage of. I'll tell you what, what, what about Lance's review of Cheers is on TripAdvisor. <laughs> I, I went in, the bartender made fun of my height, even though we were very little difference in height. If I wore different shoes, it would have been fine. I saw him plant a very passionate kiss on my date. And then the other waitress assaulted <laughs> me. One star. <laughs> I only have a couple of trivia questions here. Uh, I don't know how many you have, but I guess I'll start. Early in this episode, Sam feels insecure about his looks because Diane is so longfully describing Lance there. So he asks Carla uh, of the most handsome guy she knows. What does she reply? She says Robert Redford. Yes. I think is her name for Lucas. Yes, I was going to say this as well. This was one of my questions for you, James. Yeah, quite an interesting one. So Lucas from Cliffy's Big Score, who Cliff described as looking like a Robert Redford type. And Carla says, if you were the only woman in Boston he was messing around with, would you tell anybody? Exactly. Whoa. How long has this been going on for? Yeah, Carla and Robert Redford, the secret, <laughs> secret love affair. She also describes her butcher. <laughs> and Woody describes a butcher as well. <laughs> yeah, when Sam asks Woody who's the most handsome guy in her, Woody, without hesitation, goes, Carla's butcher. In this episode, Frasier drops by for a couple of one-liners. But uh, why has he been screaming at a patient all afternoon? Because they burnt a hole in his carpet. I assume they dropped a cigarette or something. Which uh, makes me think maybe Frasier might need a therapist. <laughs> you think? I, I did like, for, for some reason, Frasier's just got a sore throat. And I feel like he actually had a sore throat. And they've written a reason. Where was Norm born? When he's at the Knights of the Scimitar meeting, they go, eh, Norm, tell us about yourself. And he says where he was born. Where was he born? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Do you want a little clue? Yeah. I think it's based on where George Went was likely born. Chicago. It was Chicago. Yeah. Well, that's the last call at the bar. We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. If you're looking for more Cheers content, why not join our uh, digital lodge? Virtual lodge? It's not a cult. <laughs> it's definitely not a cult. Our own, where nobody knows your name, Patreon page, which you can find through our Facebook, where we uh, we have lots of lodge member surprises. There's different tiers. You can get some where nobody knows your name merch. It's a place where you can get more content from us. We've got some bonus episodes coming out. What else have we got, James? Oh, we've got a chance for your own little shout outs in the similar way to norm where we'll name you in every episode which is enticing i think but yeah as, uh, all of this talk of lodge what should we be drinking this one they, they've barred alcohol so oh well I don't, this is our lodge what, what do we want to drink we can drink what we want on our lodge yeah <laughs> i think even just beer and we know norm likes beer so let's bring him from knights of the scimitar to the Knights of where nobody knows your name. Keeping the knights of. <laughs> As in Sir Norm. 
Okay, well, we'll toast to uh, Sir Norm. Let's keep it simple. We'll have a beer. We'll raise our glasses to Norm joining our lodge, at where nobody knows your name. And uh, we'll also raise a glass to the Sam and Diane story again. Again, a bit more, bit of closure, maybe. It's certainly getting to a point where Diane isn't just going, you'll marry me, Sam. <laughs> I know you will. And, uh, and let's not forget to raise our glasses to Walter Twitchell and how he always got one on Cliff. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. This has been a Cheers podcast. Mm-hmm.